are listening to the Oakland Asian Mom Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Oakland Asian Mom Podcast. And today we have somewhat of a local celebrity as our guest. (laughs) We have the local librarian, Annabelle, who is here to talk about her work at the library here in the Fruitvale. Um, and just about her path to becoming a librarian. So welcome to the podcast, Annabelle. Thank you. Annabelle, welcome to the show. Uh, I know it's a big question, but can you tell us about what you love about your job and what may be challenging, especially during the COVID times? Okay. So yeah, that is a big question. What I love about the job is like the thing that I can't do right now, just, um, I spent such a long time like making this space a very um, welcoming space for people mm-hmm. to gather and to interact with. Um, when you think about it, the library is one of the last public spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's public parks, but there's very few places where people can just gather for free. And um, that's something that I, that I ended up loving about libraries. I never thought of them as places like that. That That is something that I love about libraries, just that we're a public place and mm-hmm. That everybody is welcome. Like in my head, I always thought it was kind of similar to a church in a way. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like t- when you think about churches, they should be a place where everybody feels welcome. Yes, What's going yes. on there is available for all. Um, and sometimes it feels that way. Sometimes it doesn't. You just, but um, I do feel like when I, when I work at a library, I try to make it that kind of place. Like no matter what happened to you last week, if you were in a bad mood or whatever, um, every day is like a new day and you're welcome to come. Oh, well, on our end, uh, when we uh, continued the, to use a library, it's mostly my husband that does all the queuing and reserving. Oh, yeah, I see him all the time. Yes. <laughs> he, um, it does give us a lot of joy. So I want to tell you that, that the work in packaging it and putting it in a Aww. bag and doing the drop off and, you know, kind of like handing it over and picking up in that big brown bag. <laughs> Um, we really look forward to it. And especially my kids, it's sort of like we have this thing. No, you have to finish your books and we have to return it. Even though I know there's a lot of, you you, you could take a lot of holds or you could take a lot of reservations. We're like, no, for the other kids. And so it really helps them to like gather it all, read it quickly so that the next time Papa goes, we could get our new bag. I literally love the library. (laughs) That's why I'm so excited to have Annabelle as our guest because (laughs) I've loved libraries like my whole life. Um, and yeah, it's just like that, that sense of like expectation and excitement of like going and getting a new book. Like it's just, um, it's very precious, I think. So yeah, I echo Cheryl's kind of comments about how, and especially during the pandemic too, right? When there weren't like a lot of places um, to go. Um, mm-hmm. When the library reopened, it was a big deal to be able to pick yeah. up books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Annabelle, you have worked at the Cesar Chavez branch for most of your librarian career. Oh, well, um, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Now that I think about it, when you phrase it that way. um, So I did start in libraries in, when was it? Maybe 2006 or so. But I've been at Cesar Chavez like on and off since 2008. Oh, my gosh. That's more than 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) Because even when I worked – permanent at a different city like I was still doing hours at that particular branch and and subbing you know on a regular basis if they needed me but I didn't start full-time 
like five days a week at Chavez until about like five years ago. Mm -hmm. I became a librarian too. And it does feel a lot like coming home. I think in many ways, the the branch, um, like very much about gatherings and um, there's so many community events that happen and very like homegrown community mm -hmm. events mm -hmm. that I, I don't even know what kind of librarian I would be if I hadn't had that experience at Chavez during like my formative years, I guess, wow. when I was like forming my practice. Well, before the Fruitvale Village kind of was erected and, you know, established, was there a Sister Chavez Libus before or this is like a brand new when that, that whole development happened? This one happened in about maybe ooh, like 12, 12 to 14 years ago, the okay. Fruitvale Transit Village was made. Um, and before that, they were at 1900 Fruitvale. Okay. And, okay. okay, this is like a little bit of history that I love to tell people. Awesome. Um, our branch was actually, when did we celebrate? I think five years ago, we celebrated our 50th anniversary. Oh my gosh. I know. What else? There's always been like a library in the neighborhood. There was maybe, aside from 1900 Fruitvale, which is like a unity council building, there was another building on Fruitvale that's now like I think a shoe repair shop too. It's fun um, to see all these. We have all these pictures. The first library in the nation to get started with federal funding specifically to form a bilingual collection. So like wow. other libraries may have done it, but we were the first to like obtain and use federal funding mm -hmm. just for that purpose. Mm -hmm. Wow, I didn't know that. And now that you say that um, the 1900 uh, Fruitvale Avenue, I know that building. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's still and, active. Yeah, and I can imagine like, oh, it, I was actually, it, it really takes my breath away because it's a very beautiful building at 1900 Fruitvale mm -hmm. with the arches and everything. So, oh, it's really cool to know that that was a site once upon a time. Mm -hmm. Annabelle, um, you are of Filipino descent, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so what has your experience been working in a largely Latinx Spanish speaking library? Well, um, so it's funny because it comes up often. Like, you know how in some workplaces it'd be like, you can't ask people where they're from. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, like <laughs> you do like a micro, what is it? Like a microaggression yeah, session. Yeah, uh -huh. And then they do, they show that video of like, where are you from? That kind of thing. <laughs> But let me tell you, <laughs> being like someone who looks the way I do, the kind of Spanish I speak, mm -hmm. where it's like, I'm very fluent with library Spanish, but anything outside of that is like, what? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so wow. patrons inevitably are like, where are you from? <laughs> Come up in funny ways, because I always make a point after our story time to like, be with the, the families during the playtime after it's just like 30 minutes it's a really simple thing to do to just like hang out and that's inevitably where they'll ask me questions like that and um what I realized is like um well for one because it's East Oakland you get I could get I get asked if I'm Cambodian I get asked if I'm Thai or Lao mm -hmm. that kind of thing yeah. so yeah all the Southeast Asia but um I I always try to draw back to like a shared experience of like um because many of my families that I serve, they're first-generation or second-generation immigrants. Mm -hmm. And I know what they're getting at when yeah. they say, where are you from? And I know that they just genuinely are like, how do I relate to this person who I yes, see every yeah. day? Like, how, like, 
Like, I know this person. I want to have this personal connection with her. Um, I don't take offense when my family's ask me that. So mm-hmm. I'll just say, like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm from here. I'm, I'm from the East Bay. I was born here. They're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, but your Spanish is good. I'm like, yeah, well, my Spanish is good just because I grew up here, for one. And, like, there's a lot of Mexicans that I grew up with. But um, mainly, and then I, was, I know what they're asking. They're asking, where's my family from? The lake, like, if they know Filipinos, they, they are like, oh, yeah. Like, because um, a lot of our language is the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and then no one ever talks this way, but just the shared um, history of colonization with Spain. Mm-hmm. Like, like the, the way they refer to it is like, oh, yeah, a lot of our words are the same. They're the Asians with Mexican last names. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've had library patrons tell me this. Like, oh, yeah, I know this person. And their, their last name is Valenzuela, but they're Filipino. And I'm like, yep. Well, Annabelle, when did you know you wanted to become a librarian? Like, what was that journey like? Oh, totally on accident. I just needed to get a job. <laughs> like, I needed to get a job, and I said, okay. I, I know I like working with people, because when I compared it to um, the internships I had at various mm-hmm. nonprofits and fundraising, I just could not get behind staying at an office every day. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, what, what could I do? And I, somehow I came across the Oakland Public Library, the opening. And when I actually was filling out the exam, so much of it was just like people smarts. Oh, like, wow. yeah, yeah, like how... Like, how would you deal in this situation or like, um, and I just never thought that libraries were about that. And then it actually, this was the good thing about finding out about that job or um, in my last semester was that I was able to approach various teachers and the librarians at my, at Cal State Hayworth, that's where I was at. Wow, that's cool. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. Li- librarians love helping people. And if you approach one of your teachers and say you think you want to do this and you tell the librarian you think you want to do that they will like give you so many resources sure I feel like both of us should have become librarians (laughs) well um I was I was confused like that I was a librarian at many schools because um when I was doing um, therapy work with kids I would go to their school and meet them at their school and oftentimes there was like an empty room in the library that I could use for my therapy sessions so I would come to school with my keys and mm-hmm. a lot of the schools didn't have librarians or waiting for their librarians to come on staff. And so mm-hmm. all these kids would be like, are you our new librarian? Like with Aww. these eyes and be like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not, but I hope you get one soon. Yeah. And I feel like school librarians have a special place in a lot of kids' hearts mm-hmm. because they're the person that grows with them as they get older. As opposed to like the teacher just sees them in their grade, but that librarian, if they're there for a while, has seen them reading like, you know, and helped them when they were in kindergarten all the way to fifth grade, maybe. Yes. Yeah. Uh, my kid goes to school close by and they've been, um, they took field trips to Cesar Chavez and the librarian at our school, <laughs> uh, she's wonderful too. And so my kids sometimes like also reserve like so many books at their school library that we have to have these like two um, cubbies, like one for OPL, one for <laughs> your school. So like not to inter- intermingle and they're yeah. like, I oh, want it's it to so, be like quarters. Yeah. <laughs> it's so close by, I'll totally drop it off at the school if I have to. <laughs> I shouldn't you. tell you that though. Nobody else, just your family. Okay, okay, okay. 
<laughs> so when people find out that you're a librarian, are there kind of comments or questions that you always get? Like, I'm sure it's like, do you love books or, you know, things of that yeah. nature, but what are some other? Yeah, they will. Of- They'll always ask me about books for one. And then it's very uh-huh. embarrassing because I feel like at this point in my life right now, I have the only grown up books that I can start and finish are audiobooks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> still books. Which is, yeah, there's still books. And that's what I tell my patrons, too. But I think people judge librarians when we admit that. And then, <laughs> or their graphic novels that I'm reading. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, for me, that's been a nice way to, like, like, be able to start and finish a very meaty story. Whereas, like, if I were to grab a big novel, I will totally way through and, like, not finish it right now. Mm-hmm. I definitely read a lot of kids' books, though. Oh, my goodness. Me and my kid. We've been going through this. Um, somehow we got, you know, when I had to be her teacher last year. Like, out of nowhere, all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, like, couldn't handle the language art stuff that her teacher was assigning. I, like, just couldn't fathom around it. And a lot of it was dittos. So I just told the teacher. I was like, you know what? I think we're just going to read books and then watch movies. Is that okay? And she was like, yes, that's fine. I was, and I told her, I was like, well, I'm going to read books that are harder than what she can read. So at least she's been listening to like, you know, the next level up. So she's still growing in that way in her listening skills. So like we, you know, we went through Matilda, that kind of thing. Oh. But now my child, oh my gosh, it's like she doesn't want to read a book unless she knows that it has a, a film adaptation. <laughs> oh, and we right. have to get beyond that because it's really limiting. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, now she just, she, because, and then we have this big critique after we watch the movie, we'll be like, well, our favorite part from the book wasn't in there. They should have done it this way. Like, now she's a little Siskel and Ebert, but for <laughs> book to movie adaptation. It's her niche. Yeah. Does she want the audio version of it too? Or she's just like, only, I, w- I just want to see the adaptation on film. Oh, on yeah. She, can, she likes the audio sometimes too. Like, we did, um, there's that series, a DreamWorks series, Troll Hunters. It's a cartoon, so we tried to listen to the book, but she ended up not sticking with that one. Mm-hmm. Yes, when our family found out about Hoopla and Sora, it was oh like, yeah, it was over. It was like okay, yeah, we're just gonna do that for a long time. That's definitely been something I've seen her grow in. I had no idea that she could go through Hoopla and Overdrive by herself. In I mean, yeah, I didn't teach her any of this, and then one day she had a book and she had queued up the audio book by herself. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yay, pandemic. (laughs) Well, are there any other funny or quirky moments you've had a librarian? Um, And another question is, do you ever wonder about the book's frequent users request, like frequent frequent library patrons request? Oh, see, I can't tell you that. This is a a librarian thing. We're big on privacy. Okay, yeah, tell us more about that. Yeah, like everybody, everybody is, um, you know, even if somebody wants to know what their child has on their account, we can't tell them because we believe like children have the same privacy or the same rights to privacy that grownups have. So I, I mean, parents, they will get so mad. And I'm like, well, if you know your kid's PIN and you have their card, you should be able to log on and find it online. I see. And you can do it yourself. Or I'm like, I'm sorry, but your kid has to give me permission to let you, like, Mm -hmm. let you know what's on their account. And they're like, what? (laughs) So, yeah, because, like, this is the one place where the kid 
gets to be like you know a fully realized human Mm -hmm. kind of like they're they're almost like a tiny adult in some ways Mm -hmm. wow that's so mind-blowing to me yeah it was mind-blowing to me too in the beginning but um like when I first like was coming from you know like um just regular person who like worked at nonprofits with kids like just childcare kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and being like a you know like a guardian in place kind of to being someone who's like whoa this kid has rights and it has they have their own rights ALA's Library Bill of Rights. So that's where that idea of like a child's right to privacy mm-hmm. plays in it or is coming from. It's coming from like the ALA Bill of Rights. Um, and it's, and, you know, it's one of those things where like this, it used, it's usually not that big of a deal. But, um, you know, when 9-11 first happened, I think like the government wanted um, libraries to give up. And librarians were like, forget you, middle finger. We aren't going to do that. Like, that's um, when it first was like a uh, thing that like people were really like, whoa, what are the implications of, of us like uh, really prioritizing private? Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. So Is yeah, I cannot uh-huh. comment on what people order. Maybe yeah. I will notice a pattern. <laughs> like well, I might notice a pattern or like, but even if I think like, oh, I, I should suggest this other thing that I think they might like, I'm always very careful about how I go about that. Like yeah. if it's just like I see someone with a lot of cookbooks mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, have you tried this one? Like that's easy. But if it's like a really personal thing they're going through, yeah, like I don't know, someone's checking out all the do your own divorce books. Like, oh, oh I, you don't want to make a comment on that because, you yeah. know, you're dealing yeah. with people in their lives. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever get recognized outside of the library? And have you yes. made any friends with people from the library? Hmm. So, okay. So pre-pandemic, you know, this is a very bustling area. But like, there's always what well, off the grid was happening at OMCA, and that's a very family-friendly event. So I'd see a lot of my patrons there, mm-hmm. or like even just hiking. Like, um, but I don't. I don't think I've made the jump to like friends with mm-hmm. patrons. Where's the most random place that you've been recognized as the librarian? Oh, gosh. Oh, my goodness. Hmm. Oh, camping, actually. (laughs) Yeah, I was on a camping trip, and this is hilarious because this was in Woodside, one of our favorite places in, um, or not, it's like near Woodside and Half Moon Bay area. It's called Memorial Park. It's run by the San Mateo County. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like totally not near here at all. And then I'm leaving the bathroom and this mom is like, Miss Annabelle? (laughs) I'm like, what? And then I look at her baby and I forget, I like call the baby a name. And then she was like, oh no. So it was a whole different baby. (laughs) It's just the the different, the other baby looked like the big brother. Oh, funny. And then she even knew it too. She goes, well, I'm not going to tell people you're here. We're here with our preschool families, and if they know you're here, you're not going to have any privacy. And I was like, oh, my gosh, please don't. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, it's kind of sweet. You, you really play a special, like, role in their learning journey, you know? Mm-hmm. I know, and I miss that so much. Like, I get that this is a season of, like, yeah, you can't hang out in the library. We may not have in-person programming for a while, but when we do – Oh my gosh, it's going to be a party. Mm. 
Well, talking about programming, um, how do you come up with the different kinds of programming that you put in the library? A lot of it is just um, comes from the community themselves. Mm-hmm. Like you just get the requests for, for certain things over and over again. Mm-hmm. And then at a certain point, you're like, oh, we should probably do this. But one thing that's always been a constant at Cesar Chavez, like you cannot be at Cesar Chavez and not do this, is craft programs. Oh, really? Like arts yeah. and crafts is like, and it's something that we've always had weekly. At, at some some points, we would have funding and we'd be able to have the Museum of Children's Art host a craft program. Mm-hmm. But even when we lose that funding, like we have to prioritize and figure out how to make it work. And whenever you do it, you have to be sure that you have enough supplies for the grownups to do it too. Because these are not parents who like drop their kid off at the table and go and read by themselves. Mm-hmm. All of these parents love making stuff too. So um, it's just a nice time to like all be together and then the parents get to chat with each other and the kids make stuff. Um, it feels like intergenerational arts and crafts time. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. I know now I just have to give art kits to everybody so they could do stuff at home. So um, we're wrapping up soon, but curious about how you um, integrated reading or books when you became a mom and if you have any tips on how to do that that you would like to share with everyone hmm yeah so for us I think I used books in a lot of different ways um, they definitely were always like a bedtime thing mm-hmm. like or not not just bedtime but I I definitely made sure we had that because you know, when they're little babies, um, and then just doing some big old sensory thing right before bed. So she'd have her bath, she'd have her little story time and singing and then whatever. So now she very much like associates books with like a relaxing time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if it's because of bedtime. Maybe she's just that kind of personality anyway. But it is fun to see that even though like we don't sing to her anymore, books and read alouds are still something that, that my child like. Um, will ask for and enjoys um, so that was always a thing and then there were certain books that I would use um, it's so funny I forget I can't remember any titles but any of those board books that have like a big giant baby face right there oh, and yeah, they might yeah, be yeah. like so and so sad happy like different emotions so when she was little and she would hate 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 having her diaper changed I noticed if I opened one of those books and stuck it like right next to her like just propped it next to her She'd totally get distracted looking at this baby. (laughs) Yeah, baby faces. Yeah, yeah, like they were always just like a thing to hold. So they were also became toys too. And I think it's funny when our patrons are like, oh, no, my kid's too little for that. I'm like, well, take these board books. Like just getting used to the handling Mm -hmm. a book is good for a kid. But um, and I also think when people ask for like, like books or reading for their kid, I think in the end what they really are wondering about is um just like literacy mm-hmm. and I try to tell our families that like any kind of language any kind of talking or singing um is good so like you know when you're cooking or whatever or when you're changing their diaper just like narrating what you're doing or um you know sing your own favorite songs or whatever um or describe like what you see as you're walking down the street like that totally helps as well like it doesn't because I don't know a person's relationship to books like they may not feel comfortable with their own literacy. So if there's something else they can do where they're still talking and interacting with their kid, that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, that's great. Yeah, I, I miss those baby board books. Um, we pass a lot of ours on to the like, you know, younger kids generation, but I do mm-hmm. remember the faces and I'm thinking about all the babies now in COVID where they're not able to interact with other babies as much. And so oh yeah, even seeing a baby face is like kind of fun for them. It's like that pre in-person socialization, you know, getting mm-hmm. used to other people's faces and what they look like and the different expressions. Mm-hmm. And you can really get that in a book. Have you, now that things are opening up, have you guys been to a park and then you see a baby like all overwhelmed? Yeah. <laughs> it's usually a little toddler who stand at the edge of the playground and just be like, whoa. <laughs> what is all this? I know. What do I do next? So many people my size. Oh. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of fun to see those moments when you know their brain is really like working and processing yeah. things, right? Mm-hmm. It's super fun. Like, okay, back to our branch when we do arts and craft stuff or, um, or things like that. Like, I love when I see a kid, like, if it's Play-Doh or whatever, anything, and, like, them manipulating different objects. It's so funny. Like, when they can finally use scissors, they're like, what? Because <laughs> their hands couldn't work before. But there's this moment yeah. where they're like, I did it. <laughs> they're so proud. Are there any, th- any events or activities that uh, are really for parents and older children? Because I know um, the the you know the kids group and kind of like starting literacy but how about the like middle school or high schoolers Are there oh any yeah things that you can need to connect families together um often when they're in middle school and high school they do not want to hang out with their mom i know or yes. dad, right <laughs> like they're told yeah so like eventually the kids will make a jump like to the video game it's like video gaming and like a crafts table too and then we used to have the, that on wednesday so once a week we'd have that and then let's see, our teen librarian would also do crafts on Saturday with teens. But then what's super fun for that age group is the programming. The, the, the groups may not be as big, but the programming they do can be a little more advanced. Like they'd even do field trips. Our teen librarian organized a few field trips where they would take the girls who code group. And then those girls would go to like see Berkeley or they visit Reddit in San Francisco. Um, so there's potential to like go deeper with the teens and that's really exciting oh I didn't even know that that's yeah so cool. and even now like um we used to have a Dungeons and Dragons group that met two times I know this sounds really nerdy but <laughs> <laughs> I was I was withholding judgment personally. yeah okay well it's totally coming back because of Stranger Things so a oh, lot yeah. of like the junior yeah. high kids who've seen Stranger Things they have like a reference to it um so we used to have a group that met twice a month at our library for that just like in the public space but as a result, like some junior, like I think they had an 11, 12 year old who would also meet for that. So when the pandemic hit, they just immediately went to doing it online. And um, one of our librarians, they, he runs it on um, Roll20. I think it's a free um, online thing that they could do. Well, as we wrap up our conversation, um, mm-hmm. you know, we had uh, Jeannie Celestial, who is the author of the Filipino Instant Cookbook in our I think she was one of our episodes, I think episode three. And so just because I told her, is it okay if I ask Annabelle? (laughs) (laughs) I think I've actually met her at the library. Oh, Oh, probably. Yeah, Yeah, because she's in the neighborhood. Yes. And so we're like, okay, I'm going to ask Annabelle, how do we get the the Filipino Instant Pop Cookbook uh, to OPL or, or Chavez? We just have to buy it. And That's I told it? My, I've told my boss, like, literally right after she was like, 
hey, I'm doing a program at Berkeley Public Library. What's going on with Chavez? What's going on? And she had caught us like in the middle, kind of in the middle of the, of the pandemic. I think sidewalk service had only been for a few yes, months. Yeah. And at that point, purchase books, um, just like city budget stuff. They kind yeah. of put a hold on adult ordering or limited it in a certain way. So he, I may have to just follow are we able to, hey. like, donate it to you, or does the city have to <laughs> yeah. find a copy? What? You do? Donate. We'll totally take it. <laughs> okay, I didn't know that. I didn't know if it's, like, you, it's like you have to purchase it, or, like, you know, well, you, you can't yes. accept donations. Okay, this is tricky. It just depends. Okay. Because okay. people like to donate all kinds of yes. things. Don't yes. give me your um, Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> From the 90s. Yeah, nobody needs that. <laughs> Well, because when Jeannie was on our podcast, I did a quick search to see if OPL had it. And there's I know, a I did different, too. Mm-hmm. There's a different Filipino what? Oh, no. Did he order the wrong one? one? Oh, oh no. my gosh. That's so embarrassing. <laughs> he may have ordered, they may have ordered the wrong one. So we heard, Annabelle, that you liked the part of our podcast where we talk about who we found out was oh my gosh, Filipino or <laughs> Korean or. It reminds me of like just watching TV with my aunties, and then you're like, "Oh, that person's Filipino." But <laughs> and then you have like the little debate, right? I'm like, really? No? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I'd be like, I don't know. I think he's Guamanian. Like, okay. <laughs> so, do you have a, a person where you recently discovered, oh, they're Filipino? Well, I don't think this is recent, or I keep remembering. So, her who won yes. the Oscar, yeah, oh, I was right. so excited yeah. to see her mom. Like in the audience, all excited. That was nice. Um, and then Saweetie from Vallejo. She yes. It just feels very Bay Area. Like she did her own version of um, what's his face? Oh, the blow. The E forty or too short. Yeah. So she did, her, and it is really fun. And I had no idea she was Filipino and from the Bay Area until I looked up that song. I could not play that for my kids' um, dance party, but there you go. <laughs> yes, when they're Filipino and Bay Area, it's like a double, like, excitement, right? It totally is. Yeah. Well, um, I, I was thinking about music, right, and um, Bay Area. And, and a throwback to me, which wasn't a discovery, but kind of warmed my heart, was Jocelyn Enriquez. Oh, Jocelyn <laughs> Because I, I, remember, I remember her. She was the one, she was like, the, yeah, one. exactly. Do you miss me? Um, a little bit of ecstasy. Remember, a little it's bit of ecstasy. Cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, because it was like, no doubt she was Filipino. Like, if you were named Jocelyn and you were Enriquez, it was like, oh my gosh, yes, she is Filipino. And so I think growing up and listening to her on the radio was like, oh my God, I'm so proud. I'm so proud. I this had so no cool. idea. I got to look from. this up. Do you remember Kai? Where are they from? They're from the Bay Area, too. They're I think. from the Bay Area, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Penai. There was Penai. They were called Penai Divas at a point. And then they're from Cal. There's like four ladies. I don't know if you guys remember them. Just because yeah. in my era, they're a little bit older than me. Mm-hmm. So we were just really proud to like follow them and go to all their concerts and try to support. That's awesome. No, I don't know, Kai. Oh, Say You'll Stay. Now I have yes. to look this up. Yes, you could do the cha-cha all night long to that song. <laughs> How do you know? Did you oh, because it's, it's the Filipino cha-cha. It's like, it's not really the cha-cha, but at Filipino like parties, you will just do this dance all the time. And it's like, you can do it exactly to say you'll stay. Uh-huh. Hmm. Maybe they, they planned that. 
Probably, probably. It's very. <laughs> well, how about you, uh, Sarah? You don't have to say, do you know by so-and-so is Filipino, but you can add a Korean one in the mix. Oh, man. I'm all, I'm all out of my Korean ones, I feel like. I haven't discovered anyone new. Um, Kyler Murray, he won the Heisman Trophy a couple years ago. He's a football player. Oh, he's his, Korean. Yeah, his, his maternal grandmother is Korean. Yeah, so he's kind of a... He's kind of one that that um I was pleasantly surprised. I'm gonna look him up. Yeah, and then that coach, right? We talked about that coach who's part of a Last Chance You. That's the, right. The Laney coach. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh huh. He's half Korean. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I okay. Another recent discovery, which I told Sarah already, already but um, I I've been watching um. Cobra Kai right on Netflix and mm-hmm. so you think about Karate Kid and you think about Karate Kid 2 and Tamalin Tamita is half Filipino <laughs> the original Karate Kid 2 when they go to like Okinawa oh okay that Tamalin Tamita and she's also in Joy Luck Club hmm. so I, all this time I was like I was thinking if I had known that as a child I think I know. It, it would be really different for me I'd be like she's half she's half um Filipino, that's that's wild. So yeah. how did you find out that she was half Filipino? Me? Uh-huh. Just like last month or two months ago, uh, when I was watching Cobra Kai, I was like, I gotta I gotta look her up. What what other things has uh, she been in? And then when oh. I did a Wikipedia search with the personal background, I was Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, I'm all over that. <laughs> I was like, Why well, did not even know? Yeah, that when you told me that I was I was pretty surprised. It's kind of shocking. For our closing segment, we'd like to talk about um, what is the best or funniest advice that your mom has given you? Um, Annabelle, do you want to start it off? This is hilarious because you're asking me after Mother's Day, and I had just spent like a whole day with my mom. Oh, sweet. Um, I know. (laughs) So we spent a whole day together, and we're eating um, Korean tofu soup, and she's like, don't go to Chinatown because of Asian hate crimes. (laughs) And you look Asian. She very specifically like, you look Asian. <laughs> and she's like a tiny Filipino lady. Like she definitely looks Filipino. I'm like, really, mom? What are you saying? You don't look Asian? And she's like, they think I'm Mexican. <laughs> and what's funny is like my whole life, she's been like, you're too dark. You know, because colonialization, right? She's yes, like, you're yes. too dark. Stay out of the set. Why are you so dark? But like, I am the one who like looks Asian and according to her she's the one who looks Mexican I think she just wanted to tell me what to do with myself like (laughs) I didn't even know where to begin there she's worried about you yeah she's just like yeah because she knows like I'm all over Oakland so yeah she's so funny it's it's sweet and funny and sad at the same time yeah Yeah, I know because then I immediately was like you shouldn't be going anywhere she was no I'm fine (laughs) Oh, I do want to acknowledge, I understand. Not all Mexicans have brown skin. That is true. Because I I realized I made a generalization because we have a very light-skinned Latina lady who works with us, and people love saying that white lady, and she gets heck of mad. They'll they'll say it in Spanish, and it sounds worse. They'll be like, well, the white lady over there told me, and my coworker gets so 
irritated to be well, identified to well, be misidentified that yes, way. Yes. No, well, she, she won't. She oh, no yeah, we'll hear. Kind of, yeah. That's sort yeah, of that's like something. I have um Vietnamese American friends who don't look Vietnamese. So when we go to get our nails done, like the ladies will talk about that. <laughs> what you're saying about me that's funny yeah my husband gets that too we'll go to like the um chinatown reflexology you know like appointments you know and it's all all communal right you know and um he knows a little bit of chinese after like he's a chinese a saturday chinese school dropout but he knows Mm -hmm. enough right to just be like giggling because they'll be like They'll be like massaging him, <laughs> and they'll say the little things like, "Oh, this guy's a big guy." <laughs> he's like, you know, he's like a he's like a, a sturdy dude, you know. Uh, yeah, play football and everything, and so yeah, he is. That's and- how he fit in with my family because they all played football too. Yes, yes, football, and you know, but he's a very sweetheart, and so he'll just start giggling and not want to shame them. I can't I go, believe they say like- this. Why are you giggling? He's like, oh, because they don't understand that I understand what they're that they're talking about me. Oh yeah, that's hilarious. That's funny. Yeah. <sighs> oh well, gosh, yeah. Sorry, husband. <laughs> well, um, thank you so much. I, I, yes, we all need to be careful out there. Even though I'm wearing my hat and my sunglasses and my mask it's hard to figure out who I am but still um yeah yeah it is it is it is really sad and we do need to be more vigilant than usual yeah I can't just assume that people think I'm Mexican (laughs) mom oh my gosh (laughs) Uh, and even that doesn't really protect you because there's so much um, yeah yeah stuff that happens to all people of color Mm -hmm. for sure Mm -hmm. right well, thank you, Annabelle, for your time. We oh, really welcome. appreciate you stopping by and just sharing so much of your journey at Chavez and all the things that you've done for our community. You're welcome. This was really nice. Thank you. It's my first local podcast. Oh, my gosh. Wait, have you been on bigger podcasts? Mm, oh, my gosh. Nope. I've just been on. <laughs> I get confused because I've just done like presentations and stuff, and some of those are like bigger. But no, I haven't been on a podcast. Well, the I'm getting my is platforms all confused. <laughs> Take care and don't forget to call your mom. <laughs>